Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue there, our 14th week in the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And then I want to pray over the word this morning. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it tells us. We thank you for the direction that it gives us. We thank you for the life that it stirs up in our heart. And I thank you for the faith that it builds in us so that we can see the way that you see. Uh, that we don't see things the way the world sees things. We see things the way that you do through eyes of faith. And that is stirred up in us and built up in us by your word. I thank you that we'll learn from you today. We'll be encouraged by you today. And Holy Spirit, that you translate to each heart as we have need here in your presence as your body. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking and opening with some questions. And we started with, why am I a Christian? Why do I follow Jesus? And my answer, and I hope yours is similar, is because I wasn't okay without him. I was not good on my own, as we talked about, mentioned just earlier, I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. And, and he came and said he would make me alive. And I haven't found anybody who's told me a better story than what he told me. I haven't found better news than the good news in Christ Jesus and his gospel, because it is the power of God unto my salvation. To save me, right? So I, I wasn't okay without him. That's why I am a Christian. And then last week we talked about what does a Christian do? And we looked over into what Paul said and what I actually got to encourage uh, Lacey and Eddie with yesterday in their wedding ceremony. Uh, to, to live worthy of the calling you have received as believers. And what do they do? With all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love. And making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, that, that we are yoked together by peace, peace in our hearts, peace in our gatherings and peace on the journey. That The whole thing is strapped down and held together by peace. So why am I a Christian? What does a Christian do? And then this way, why do they do that? Or what's the purpose in that? What is the purpose? What, what's the need for these things and what we'll see in verses four through six is that Christianity, life in Christ, is more than a personal relationship. It's more than a me and God relationship. It is a me and God relationship, but it doesn't stop there. It's more than or not merely a personal, individual Relationship. Verse 4 says, There is one body. There is one body. And we've seen Paul use this language before of the body of Christ 
or what Christ's work that he began when he was here on the earth before his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ultimate ascension to heaven. He didn't leave us alone. He sent the spirit so we could become his body and more than what he was able to do physically while he was here to continue his work, the ministry of reconciliation. So when you hear that body of Christ, it's not just talking about our gathering here. It's talking about the body of Christ, universal or worldwide from coast to coast, all the way around the globe. It's big, big. Now I come from a a pretty good sized family. I mean, I won't say large because some families are larger. I mean, but there's six of us, you know, mom, dad, I'm the oldest of four siblings married into a fairly large family. Kelly's the youngest of four. So that explains a little bit about our personalities. I'm an oldest and she's a baby of the family. Yeah, yeah, some of y'all hadn't dealt with that. Uh, anyway, and, and I got to thinking about just this week, even separate from this, I was like, Lord, what a, what, what a blessing it's been for me to have this many siblings, right? It's not, I mean, it, it creates some difficulties, right? I was having that conversation with Tyler. He and Hallie were in and they're on their third child now. And he said, a lot has changed when you get that extra, like that third one, like a lot changes. I was like, yes, it does. And then we only have three. I'm imagining my parents walking with four, like it's hard to get a table at a restaurant when there's six of you. You know, when there's four, you can sit just about anywhere. But when there's six, you you got all these complications. You got all these different personalities, all these different needs, all in the same house. At one point, all six of us lived in a house with uh, three bedrooms and one bathroom. Yeah. So there's some there were some challenges there. I was able to look kind of think on that and like, you know, obviously there's there's some challenges to it. But man, what a blessing it has been for, for there to be that many of us and walking together in unity. And you may not come from a family that's that large and that's fine. You know, we've got small families. We've got large families. We, we've got some that everything went pretty well. We got some that things didn't go well at all. But what we can all go. Uh, what we can all hang on to or, or see is that we had our immediate family, right? We had those that lived there in the house with us and we see them all the time. Mostly, I mean, every day. I see my family pretty much every day. And then you get the next layer out and you see them fairly regular. You know, you may see them weekly or monthly. And then you got that next level out. You may just see them once or twice a year. Right. You're, you're kind of thinking, OK, this group of cousins, this part of the family. And you got the next one out where you only see if somebody you know, dies or gets married. Right. Or if you see them on the news, hopefully that didn't happen unless they got elected to something. <laughs> but but you can see how that how that expands out and grows out. And even the ones that are way out here, they're still family. Right. They're still a part of your family. When you get together, you are family. Have you noticed that you'll have that even these ones that are way far out? You may not have. I have several members of my family that I don't see, but once every four or five years. But when we get together, we're still what family. There's still that connection there. There's still that disarmed unity and reception because you are a part of what I am a part of. 
there's still that togetherness. And, and that's when we're talking about one body. It's, it's that attitude. If you come to in my house, it's not, okay, well, it's me and Kelly and Abby, and that's one segment, and then it's me and Kelly and Caleb, and that's a different segment, and then it's me and Luke, because nobody wants to sit with him sometimes if he's in a mood. You know, you don't separate it out like that. We are the five of us, a family, no one closer or further away than the other, because that's what we are. We're not separated. We're not divided. We are one Family, And even if that wasn't your experience growing up, even if it didn't go well or you had family that weren't doing what they were supposed to do, weren't leading like they were supposed to lead, weren't loving or staying like they were supposed to, you at least recognize this isn't right. This isn't the way that this is supposed to go. If we adopted someone into our family, they wouldn't have the option of going, well, I want Kelly to be my mama and you to be my daddy, but I don't want Caleb to be my brother. I don't want Abby to be my sister. I'm definitely, I'm not taking Luke. I'm not a part of him. I'm just a part of you. You don't get to do that. You don't get to make that uh, division and separation out. I remember we read in Ephesians chapter one when we started out that we have been adopted through Christ Jesus for the Father. And so you have this image of one family. We're adopted by God Almighty. And for everyone that that is true of, everyone who has received that adoption that we read about in chapter one, it is true that they are a part of the one body. So last week when we're seeing Paul tell us, I want you to live worthy of your calling, what he's talking about is our calling to be in Christ and being in Christ a part of this one body. And we do that in humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another in love and making every effort to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Verse four, we're one Body. There is one body and one spirit. The gospel doesn't just miraculously create Christians. That's what it does. But it simultaneously creates one body, the church. And that doesn't mean we all have to be under the same organization, that we all have to be under the same association. But we need to have the understanding that we are a part of his body, and it's bigger than we can imagine. It means that the, this whole thing is founded on the love of Christ Jesus and being found in him, and that every part of the body is supposed to be for the other parts of the body. And that is only possible by, it says, there's one body and one spirit. If there's only one body, the the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the life and breath into his body, the church. What is a body with no breath in it? Dead, right? There's no life in it. And obviously that's one of the things that spirit uh, also means in the scripture is the breath, right? In the Old Testament, the, the, the ruach. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it's the, the, the pneuma, the breath of life, the spirit animates the church. 
if, if there's no spirit, there's no life in the body, then there is no church. And it's not just any spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of Almighty God that animates the body, that joins us together. And you see that one body, one spirit, the, the, the church rests on what has been given to it, not what it has earned. Right? Christ sent the spirit the church didn't earn the spirit. It didn't work the spirit up. The body, we didn't create it. He created it. The church rests on what has been given and not what it can earn. So all those who are in Christ also have one spirit. And look what else it says. Just as you were called to what? One hope at your calling. One hope at your calling. All those who are in Christ are heading the same direction. If you're in Christ, you're heading the same direction, which is to the holy city, to see the world redeemed and brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the unrecognized unity of Christianity, which is hard to recognize sometimes, the unity among us. We can get to that point a little bit later. But it's going to surprise some because our methods can be different. Our organizations can be different. Man, you go to church in China, you're going to have a whole different experience than you come to church here. You bring them over here, they go, what in the world is this? The police aren't banging down the door. That's different here. Okay. There's differences, but the goal and the one hope that we've been given are, is the same. All true believers, and we can get way down into that. We're not doing that today. All true believers strive towards the one goal of a world redeemed by Christ. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Jesus is Lord was the first creed of the church. That and he is risen, right? The resurrected king, Jesus, is Lord. And there's so many connections to that. I'm not going to dig deep in it this morning, but, but, but it's the Lord talked about in the Old Testament. Not just Lord the way we think of, but the divine name of God Almighty. The God above all gods, the King above all kings. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying Jesus is God. And then in the New Testament, Lord is what they would call Caesar or the emperor. And so when you said Jesus is Lord, it's also a little bit of a political statement, but it's even more saying he is my master. He is the one that I come underneath. He is the authority over my life. So this one body with one spirit and one hope is under one and only one Lord. It is his possession and it is entered into his service. One Lord, one faith. If we have surrendered our lives to the love and the lordship of Christ Jesus, at our core we share that same faith. And one baptism. In the early church, 
Baptism was a public profession of your faith in Christ Jesus. And it was even more poignant than we understand it to be now, because what we think of now is, well, that person is going to quit going out and acting foolish and they're going to come underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be changed and, and sanctified and transformed, which is amazing. But you have to remember people specifically in Ephesus had been serving and worshiping other gods. Worshiping other gods. They came and burned all their spell books, all their, all their books and, and tools of dark artistry and paganism. And then when they were baptized into Christ Jesus, they're letting the church know, I'm not a part of that anymore. I'm a part of you. I'm coming together with you under Christ Jesus. And it's also a war cry, a spiritual warfare to say, I don't serve the darkness anymore. I'm not a part of that anymore. When I go into this water, it's like a dead man going into the ground and I'm set free from what I was tied to. And I'm raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus. Baptism is more than you just getting in the water and getting wet and having your little T-shirt on. It is a war cry of spiritual warfare to go, I'm not part of your kingdom anymore. Kingdom of darkness. I'm a child of the light. And simultaneously, it's the church's reception of this individual into the fellowship. To say, we're going to to shepherd you. We're going to serve you. We're going to love you. You are now baptized into this family. You know, in baptism, we can get it really twisted. (laughs) People really get stirred up about baptism. I've noticed that. And again, there's some differences that we can tolerate. There's some differences we can't tolerate. We could talk about that if you want to put a question box in the question in the question box on a Wednesday night. How that goes. But Paul had to talk about it. It's not new that this is a thing that people go, well, what about this? Well, I think it has to be done this way. What about this? Paul told the Corinthians, he said, some of y'all are running around saying I'm of Apollo. And other of you are running around saying, well, I'm of Paul. And he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He said, I'm glad that I didn't baptize a bunch of you so that you can't run around saying, I got baptized by Paul. I'm better than you are. Right. And but, but, but we have that even today. Well, if you didn't get baptized and they say this, then it didn't get what it didn't count. Or you have to be baptized on the same day that you cry out to the Lord or heaven forbid you might die and bust hell wide open. Again, lots of just silliness out there. And I mean, they're my brothers and sisters. I got to figure it out. But we can get it so twisted up. But he's saying there's only one. And that's the one that shows that you were not in Christ and you are now in Christ. That's the one baptism under the one Lord adhering to the one faith. And and just take a moment to look at the direction of this in four, five and six. This list. One body, one spirit, one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and then one God and father of all. You see how that flows there? We're made alive by the power of the spirit into one body and called to one hope under one Lord with one faith 
and one baptism terminating or, or ending our journey with the Father. You see the Trinity represented there, each one doing what it does in our life, doing what they do in our life. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. Isn't that beautiful? How he just wrote it that way? One body, one spirit, one hope to which we were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all. Verse 6, who is above all and through all and in all. So it's getting back to that family talk again. Because it calls God our Father. Some want the Father without the family. Have you noticed that? Some want the Father without the family. I don't need more family. I don't need another family. I have one or I had one and that was enough. Well, they misunderstand that that's not an option. Any more than you can get married and say, I don't need any in-laws. Thank you very much. That's not a box you can check on your marriage license. You don't get to go, I want this person, but I don't want the family that comes with them. Not an option. But we try to do that. People want to do that with the body of Christ. Why? Because it's hard to walk with us. It can be difficult to walk with the body, of, with any group of people. Right? Especially people that used to be sinners. Especially people that are being sanctified. It sounds easy to just say, I just want Jesus and my Bible and that's all I need. I don't want anything else. That's not an option. You were called to one body by one spirit with one hope under one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, the father of all. The father of all. Paul's saying there is one God, the father of all. The greatest thing about God Almighty for us is that he's listed as father. He is many things. Amen. But father is the greatest to us because that speaks of his divine and everlasting love. The king can kick me out the kingdom. Right. The Lord can decide I'm not doing a good enough job and fire me. If it's just a title like that, but when he takes on willingly, nobody made him do this. When he did this willingly and he said, I am your father, you are my child. Even that's just that term demonstrates his great and divine love for us. Amen. One God Father of all who is above all. Which means no matter how things may look, God is in control. He is above all things. He's above all. He's through all. Means he didn't just set the world to spinning and, and walk away disinterested. He didn't just start a ball rolling downhill and go, all right, and walk off. He's not disconnected 
He is all through his world and all through his people. Loving, guiding, and sustaining. We say he is in all that. That's why when you, we talked about this earlier, when you go looking for something, you're going to find it. When you go look for God, you can find him. This whole creation is his. It belongs to him. Now, a lot of it's been subjected to evil and wickedness and unrighteousness, but he's nevertheless present. He's always there when you're seeking him. He's always there when you're looking. He is above all. He's through all and he's in all. He's present in all of life. He's everywhere we are because we're his children. And he's already where we're going. He's where we were. He's where we are. And he is already present in our future, having prepared that place for us. These are big, big Things. We've been called to be part of something that is really, really big and incredibly beautiful. And anything that's that good, there's going to be some difficulty tied into it, right? When we have anything good in life, you want to have a good flower bed, it doesn't just happen. You want to have a good relationship with someone, it doesn't just happen happen. That's why Paul tells us you got to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Means there's going to be something that's working against you. There's going to be, for lack of a better word, chaos that's trying to take over. And what you're doing is bringing order continually and regularly over the top of it to say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to walk together. And he laid it out again. How do we walk together? How do we walk in this calling with humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love and making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? We do four, five and six by one, two and three. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And here's where I start to, here's where I wrestle. Because what about all the division that we see in the body? What about all the disconnection that we see in the body? We're supposed to be diverse, but we're supposed to be unified, right? And, and we'll talk more about this. There's a lot coming up here in Ephesians chapter four. But I think some of it is just a result of. Or it's an outcome based on the life of ease that we have. Right. If you ever had everything going well in your household and you just find yourself fighting over dumb things. Like not serious things, not important things. But you're fighting. I mean, we, we've done that before. It's like, we are really arguing about this. Like, how good are things going when this is the argument that we're having? 
Because you're going to have, you're going to argue about things. There's going to be conflict and that's the way you grow together. But it's like when this is what we're arguing about, like a dishwasher or whatever, just something simple or that when you would think like, if we step back, this looks really silly. That means everything's going well. Well, one of the things that we've had going on for the last however many decades is things have been easy. I'm not going to say they've been going well, but things have been easy. And when things are easy, what do we do? We let up. And we don't have to push and we don't have to hold on and we don't need as many people. But the time is coming when the body of Christ is going to have to be united. And we are going to very easily, it's like, you know, when you're in a foxhole and people are shooting at you, you know, if you're in what you picture these World War II uh, you know, shows that you see or, you know, stories that you've heard. When these guys are in a foxhole together, they're not looking at each other going, are you, you're not a Presbyterian, are you? I don't know if I can fight with you out here if you're a Presbyterian. Right, there, there, there's no room for that. Why? Because there is something much more, and I just pulled that one out of the top. It's just... I did have somebody at the, at the wedding yesterday after the wedding came up to me and he said, oh, that was... I really appreciated everything that you said. You're a pastor in town. Yes, sir. Where do you pastor? I was like, Believer's Church. He's like, is that over on Castro? I said, yeah. He said, are y'all, and he named a denomination, are y'all affiliated with this denomination? I was like, no, we're not affiliated with a denomination. Uh, We're just, you know, good old Christian church. And he was like, oh, oh. And that was it. (laughs) And I was like, it's all right. I'll be here. I'll be here if you need me. But part of it, you know, he had been told, don't talk to those people. Anyway, I thought that was funny, but it just kind of shows you that. So number one, Lord, if we're all part of the same body, how are we not walking more closely together? And I think this, this is the answer to another question that I had as we're driving. I don't want to take too, too much time. I know y'all got to get your, your hot wings going for the game tonight. Um, we, we went on our trip recently and anytime I'm driving, I notice how many churches there are. Like, do you ever do this? Like, you're just driving like, there's another one. There's another one. There's, you know, two across the street from each other. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And I just, I, I, I think to myself, I'm like, Lord, we got the, the best message that I know is powerful. I've seen it change lives and transform people and groups and communities. And we're spread out all over. How are we not having a bigger impact? How are we not creating more change. And again, I think it's, I think it's multifold, but I think part of it is we've got to walk together in unity. It's one of my favorite things about overcomers. You see multiple churches represented and nobody cares who's doing what. Nobody cares, you know, well, that, that person got to talk and they were from this church. So we got to have the same number, get to talk from this church. I hadn't heard any of that. Have you heard any of that? Uh Uh-uh. And when people come in from the outside, they go, oh, so are all of these people from believers? I was like, no, we got people, they're that church, they're that church, they're from that church. The speaker coming in this week from this church. And they're like, I don't even know how that works. But what you're starting to see is people are growing tired of the old things that used to divide us. And they want to see the real take place. When you see the power of the body and unity together and, and what's coming forth from that, man, it's just encouraging. And, and I think you're going to begin to see more of that now. Some of it's going to be brought about by us facing more difficulty 
right? There's not going to be any room for somebody who just kind of, I'm just kind of hanging out because this is a social thing to do. That's going to slowly but surely, it's not going to be the social thing to do anymore. Instead of being a social asset for you to be a Christian and and, and all of those things, overall, uh, it's going to be a liability for you to be a Christian. And in that, we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other. And again, you know, we'll go through some of these. And Paul will touch on these things. He'll be like, ain't everybody of us. <laughs> some people say they're of us. And we can really quick get to the point that, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Like there's some minimum requirements to be, I mean, that we need to be in agreement on. And we'll, we'll get into that. We don't have time today. But all these, I laid out some problems, right? And I think over the next few weeks, we're going to look over into the solution. And conveniently, if you keep reading scripture and it lays out what you think is going to be a problem, you read further, you're like, oh, that's the answer. That's how we do this. Because if you look down just a little bit, you'll see that he has a plan to grow us up into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God's son. Look at verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching and by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head from him. The whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. He's going to grow us up in maturity, not just individually. We're, we, we want that individually because if we're not maturing individually, how can we mature together? But the maturity of the faith, the unity of the faith together. So that when somebody comes teaching something else, we go, uh-uh. It says even if they're especially clever or deceitful, we won't be swept up by it. Why? Because we have the truth. The truth that we've been given as a part of this one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Amen. I just want you to see this morning the, the, the big picture that you are a part of and encourage you because there's going to be some challenging things that we come across here, but you'll see the result afar off. And my encouragement to you is let's get in this together. Let's be a part of this together. Let's not be like one of those who's on the outside and inactive and, and, and wanting the father, but not the family just going, this is my family. Let's sit down. Let's eat supper together. Let's get after it. Let's grow the kingdom of God together and show the world what's possible in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you first for your gospel, the good news. Lord, that, that took us from somebody who was alone and again, dead in our trespasses and sins. We were destitute. We didn't have anything. Uh, the, the only family we had was the darkness. And it was out of that that you translated us, that you adopted us. 
when we, when we saw by faith who you were and who we were and what you had made available, we called out to you and you were faithful to do what you said you would do. To save us, to deliver us, and to adopt us into your family. Lord, I pray that this week you would help us to see by faith how big our family actually is. We don't get to see everybody all the time. Some of them we just get to see every once in a while. Some of them we won't even see till we get to heaven. We're connected and we didn't even know it. But Lord, to see the value of what you have put us in. And even though we are diverse in you, we are to be unified. And I thank you that you unify us together under one Lord and indwelt by one spirit, baptized into one faith, giving one hope at our calling and all of us together under one God who is father of all. And Lord, to understand the declaration that we've made and it upended some uh, kingdom of, of darkness when we made that. And they're still not happy about it and they're still thrashing and raging. But you've nevertheless given us authority and victory that we will see carried out, not by our power, but by yours, not by our name, but by yours. And we will see it carried out by our hands in front of our eyes, what you have already wrought. I thank you, Lord, that we won't get swept up or overly concerned with the issues because we have in hand your answers. And Lord, we won't shrink back from a little bit of work to join ourselves together in unity and to maintain that unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Lord, just like we're tying down a load in the back of a pickup truck or on a trailer, putting another strap across it to make sure it's not going where it's not supposed to go. I thank you that you unite us and bind us together with peace, not with threats of harm, not even with incentive of reward, God, but you unite us together with your divine and miraculous peace. We shouldn't be able to walk together but we can because of you. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, we'll walk out of here in that unity together. Lord, we pray for those who are out from among us. There's so many, Father, dealing with sickness and weakness in their body and out of, out of here and in our community. I thank you, Lord, that you cleanse us of this in the name of Jesus. Those that are afflicted by it, give them strength uh, on the inside that will manifest on the outside. And I thank you, you deliver us through it in Jesus' name. Lord, that uh, for those of us still walking around, that a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. But, Lord, it won't come near me. And I thank you for uh, your grace upon us as we go through this week or that we begin to see things more the way that you see things because your word is stirring that up in us. And I thank you that you will continue to bring us back together by your grace under that one banner, one family name so that we can rejoice in who we are in you. And we can rally together to where we're going towards that one hope that we have, that we see this world change through your power and by your name. In Jesus' name, amen.